Thank you, Jane. Thank you for being here with us and leading us in worship. Uh, as I was ex experiencing worship with you all and uh, Jane leading us into that, I was thinking, man, I don't want to follow that. Uh, and then Cashy's little mini-sermon, I was thinking, I don't want to follow that. And guess what? I don't have to. Uh, my spiritual director is here today, and he's going to follow that. Uh, and if you have not met Dave Nixon, my spiritual director, uh, if you weren't at the retreat yesterday or been with us when he's been with us before, uh, he is a, an amazing presence to be with. Uh, he has been my friend and spiritual director for several years now. He has uh, guided me and helped me go deeper in my own contemplative life, my own inner life, uh, my own formation as a human, uh, and he has taught me to make better coffee. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Nixon. I've taught a lot of people to make better coffee. <laughs> it, it feels important to me. And, uh, hey, I'm, I'm grateful to be back uh, with you. I think this is maybe my third uh, opportunity to... Um, to be here and to uh, share with you. Um, I always so enjoy coming to uh, this part of the country, especially at this time of the year, <laughs> coming from the Midwest when it's starting to get really cold. Uh, so thank you. And I've been praying for you uh, through uh, the last few days and for myself that uh, we, could, uh, we could go deep today with the, with the text that's selected. Um, I want to start by just asking, how many of you have seen the, the movie uh, March of the Penguins? <laughs> it seems like a lot of people have seen that. Or you've probably seen some movie on, uh, you know, the North Pole or Antarctica where you've seen these, uh, these uh, what do you call it? It's not a gaggle, it's not a herd, a flock. Uh, you know, you have a murder of crows, I'm not sure what penguins are, but thousands of them, and they make it through the most brutal winters, and it's really fascinating watching them uh, huddled around, uh, preserving body heat and, you know, tending the eggs, and then there's that, you know, the break of uh, winter, and not long after that, these eggs hatch, and and then half of them split, you know, I think they share the duties, like somebody watches over the uh, egg and then the, the, the partner goes down to the sea and gets fish and uh, chews them up, swallows them, and then regurgitates them for the babies, right? But when they're coming back, uh, to me it's just so fascinating that in thousands, among thousands of uh, penguins, the squawks and the noise that that a mother or a father can hear their particular child. There's a voice, you know, they just, it's distinctive. Uh, it just sounds like a cacophony to me, but, but to be able to do that is, is pretty amazing. If you're, if you're a parent, chances are that if you got a room of 50 kids and they started talking at different levels, that you probably could pick out your own child. And I'm going to come back to that story in just a little bit. But to begin, I want to read our text today, um, which comes from Luke. And here's what I, 
would just ask you to do is uh, we'll take about 30 seconds simply to uh, close our eyes here and to uh, rest our bodies for a moment. Try and just let go of any preoccupations that you have, maybe thoughts about something coming up today or something that happened this morning, and be open and present to what you're about to hear. As I said to the group yesterday, we come to scripture not for information as much for formation. We don't come to wrap our brains around it as much as we come to, in a sense, um, open ourselves to it and let it wrap itself around us. And the Lord speaks through scripture to our minds, our intellect, to our hearts. Uh, sometimes we feel a certain passage in our body. There's something lights up in our gut or our heart comes alive. So we receive it in, um, in our entirety and we, we presume that the thing that perhaps catches our attention in the story is significant, that that's the thing that the Lord is singling out for us to give our attention to. So if you can, uh, receive it in that way and put yourself back into this story. I'm going to read it to you a couple times and you can just rest and let it wash over you. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Let that soak in for a moment. As you hear that passage, what thoughts go through your mind? Was there anything that stirred your heart? In either a good way or something that didn't feel so good? Did you notice anything happening in your body? If you can this time, put yourself right there next to this beggar. Hear the crowd approaching.
As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Sit for just a moment longer with this. This morning I was asking myself, what moves Jesus? And it seems quite clear that he is moved by desperation. He's moved by persistence. He's, he's not put off by but instead is, is, it seems, attracted to unconventional uh, behavior that is driven by neediness, driven by desperation, driven by longing. And as I began thinking about places where we see that, I remembered the story right before this where 10 lepers come and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In the same passage, we, we in the same vicinity in Luke's gospel, this comes from Luke 17, we have um, the widow who has a case and her enemy is um, uh, treating her unfairly, perhaps coming after her, but she goes to the judge and says, defend me. And he ignores her, and she keeps going back. Jesus tells the story of this widow who just keeps going back. And widows are vulnerable in that society. And basically, in, in the Greek, it's really interesting. Uh, in other places, uh, the word is translated, uh, she gave him a black eye. <laughs> uh, it's this almost like aggressive posture, pow. But it can also be translated, just wore him out. Uh, but she kept coming back, and he applauds her behavior. I thought of the woman who uh, pursues Jesus when they're up along the, uh, the coast outside of Israel to get rest. 
and she keeps coming, uh, you know, she's just following them and says, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. And the disciples are saying, just please send her away. You know why we're here. And there is a point where Jesus says, look, um, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in another gospel says, you know, it's not right to give uh, bread that's meant for the children to the dogs. And he's not calling her a dog, he's just citing a proverb that, you know, this, what I have to offer is for a different set of people. And then she has that amazing reply. And he, he does a double take. And he grants her the request. I'm convinced that there are nine stories that aren't in the Gospels that are just like that, except after one ask, the person gave up. But this story is in there because this woman did not give up. There's something in her that rose up and said, this is it. This, this is my last hope. There's the story, outrageous story of, of these guys who want to help their friend. He's paralyzed, and they bring him to Jesus, but they can't get in because the room, the house is packed. There is absolutely no way. So they hoist him up onto the roof. They dig a hole in the roof, and they lower him down on ropes, and they bust up the scene. Jesus is in the middle of teaching, and you just got to think, what is that like? Scratching your head and saying, what in the world is going on now? Ooh, <laughs> right there, down. And Jesus, I think, is just fascinating. Everybody else is like, maybe there are people who are saying, how rude. <laughs> and what about repairing the roof? I bet some of you think about that, right? Like, who's going to repair the roof? That was really unthoughtful of them. Uh, but Jesus, I think, is just fascinated by that thing and is so attracted to it. And it's like, there is no way I am going to say no to this person. We have the story of the woman who presses through the crowd. It's apparently like a mosh pit, and she pushes through. Has anybody ever been in a mosh pit? I have once. <laughs> I never want to be in a mosh pit again. My daughters coaxed me into doing this uh, once when I was a, a lot younger, right? And they were in their teens. They said, come on, Dad, this is fun. You know, bam, bam. And after getting bruised and beaten up for a while, I said, honey, kids, you have fun. I'm going to go watch. Uh, but she pushes through and just, I've got to get close to him. I've got to get, this is it. For, what was it, 12 years I've been with this condition. I've spent all my money. I have no other options. We have the story of the prostitute who breaks all convention, crashes the dinner party, comes in and dares touch the feet of a rabbi in the presence of other males. And she, all she can do is just weep. Wash his feet with her hair anoint his feet. She says not a word. And everybody is kind of freaked out by this behavior, and Jesus loves it. And there is no way he's going to say no to her. 
And in the same place in Luke's gospel, Zacchaeus, little Zacchaeus, <laughs> he is determined. And he just wants to look at Jesus, that's all. But there's something about that kind of behavior of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that is not normal. I'm going to climb up in a tree and get ahead and who knows, I mean, how close. Maybe the branch was this high. You know, Jesus walks under it and here's this dude staring him right in the face. I don't know what it was like, but Jesus notices that as well. He says, man, I would love to have dinner with you. So again and again and again and again and again, Jesus responds to these extra efforts, these pronounced desires, these deep desperations of other people, and he's moved by it. And this is where the story of the penguins comes in. Because I, I picture Jesus in particular being acute, having an acute sense of hearing to, to that desperation, to that pain, to that sorrow, to that, that situation where you feel like you've run out of options. It's almost like for us, when we're in it, it feels like a horrible place to be. Can I get a witness of that? Who wants to be in that place where you feel like you've run out of options? I don't. But for Jesus, in some ways, you, we could say it's a sweet sound, and he picks up on it, and he hears, he hears that voice, just as a penguin, a mother penguin and her father penguin, hears the voice of that child among all the others. That's what it feels like to me. So as much as I don't like to be there, it seems that Jesus really responds to that, that God loves that. We, we have the story that Jesus tells of the two men who go up into the temple to pray, right? And one of them just busts right up to the front and he does the traditional Jewish prayer, right? Men's prayer. Uh, in modern, you know, Western world, we, we, you know, fold our hands and often bow our heads, but, but their prayers were like this. They got their hands outstretched it's a very, you know, and their, their, their heads are looking up and their eyes are open. I, I think that's the way we always ought to pray, frankly. Because uh, that body posture, there's something really great there. Your arms out, like, bring it on, okay? And looking beyond yourself, in a sense, to heaven, to God, right? Versus something that often feels very closed off and private. This feels very open and public. So here he is praying, but what comes out of his mouth is, man, I am so glad that I'm not like you. Right? I am so glad. Sinner, 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 sinner. Right? And the other guy, he, he doesn't even come to the front. It says he stands far off. It's like he comes into the temple, but feels the weight of the holy upon him and feels his otherness. Right? And it says he doesn't dare lift his eyes to heaven. And he does this. He feels his sorrow. And he says, have mercy. Have mercy on me. 
Who does God hear? Jesus is very clear on this, that there's only one man who goes away justified in that. God hears that end of ropeness <laughs> of that particular fellow. I think with this passage too about, uh, it feels to me like a significant part of it is uh, where this blind beggar is and what's going on right there around him as Jesus is passing by. And it says that the others in front of him said to him, be quiet. So you, you've, we've all been to some kind of parade, right? And I go uh, as often as I can. I'm t a total geek when it comes to like following running. I know high school runners in California, okay, that are really good, and you don't. <laughs> and I'm from Columbus. <laughs> That's how much I follow it. Uh, so I follow it at the high school level. I follow it at the college level. I follow it at um, the elite level. You know, I clear my schedule when the Olympics come on and when the world championships come on. So uh, everybody knows that that's, that's kind of all I follow. So once, you know, every couple years, um, dad is just left alone, <laughs> okay? My wife becomes a widow. Uh, and on November 17th, I'm gonna get to go to the NCAA Division I National Cross Country Championships in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm gonna meet up with my old high school cross country running buddy. We've been, we've been at it for years. He's the only guy from high school I keep up with. But one thing I know is in that final stretch of the eight kilometer run for men, which is like 4.97 miles, if you wanna know, and the 6K race for, for the women, uh, you're gonna have to fight to get along because they've got it roped off and it's like a, a kind of a narrow you know, gauntlet that the runners come through over the last quarter mile or so and everybody's gonna be competing for those spaces to watch them come by. I am. If I have to deck like some older people, I will, <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's how badly I wanna see that final, you know, stretch. Not really, but maybe. <laughs> and this is what it's like, right? It's the, the, those who can will get to the front of the line. But he's a beggar and he's blind. And the posture for beggars was to sit. And chances are, this was just his spot. And he's seated there, and because he's blind, he has no idea what's going on. But there's nobody who says, you come and be at the front. They're in front of him, and they turn around to him, who is lower, and say, shut up. Now, he could have followed that. He could have followed their orders. I'm just a beggar. I'm a blind man. Okay. Especially when they said it repeatedly, be quiet. But there's something that rose up in him that said, this might be my last shot. 
And he's going to defy convention. He's going to defy the crowd. And I want to say that we each have a crowd. Whatever the longing is in us, the thing that we sometimes, you know, that maybe in the past we wanted to go to God with, you know, there's, there's often a crowd that rises up, um, which can be a person. It can be your own thoughts. It could be a church community that says, don't. Don't do that. It might be in the area of healing. You so long to be healed of maybe a physical ailment, but you've got a community of Christians around you say, that doesn't happen. Be content with your illness. It could be anything. It could be, the crowd for you could be that I've asked so many times, and I don't, as far as I can tell, there's been no response. And so, why bother asking again? And so, you just quit. It's kind of like if you have guppies in an aquarium and fish that feed on guppies, you throw them all in together, it doesn't take long before the guppies are gone, right? But let's pretend you're the guppy eater and not the guppy. And you put, you put a glass partition right down the center of that aquarium that divides one side from the other. And you know what happens? The, the big fish keep hitting themselves against the glass. Just keep smacking it. And then after a while they realize, I can't get through. And then you can do this, you can lift the glass out and for a long, long while, they both stay on their sides. And we're like those fish, you know, sometimes we've asked, we've asked, we've asked, we've asked. I give up asking. And it seems that Jesus is saying, let's never give up asking. Ask. Look. Or search or seek. Knock. And he uses the present active tense, is how it's translated in Greek. He's probably speaking it in, in, in Aramaic, but it's translated as be asking, be looking, and be knocking. Because the way it works in my Father's kingdom is he delights in that kind of behavior and responds to that kind of behavior. It's like, do I dare? Do I, do I dare ask? Do I dare look in this case? Do I dare knock, seek? I have to ask that for myself. I, I've prayed for three and a half years for my son-in-law who you know, had his brain blown out by an aneurysm. And he's made immense progress and he is light years away from where he was. And what I was convicted of in just reading and meditating on this passage was I've given up asking for him. And I've just determined I'm not going 
to, I'm not going to fall into that, that I'm going to keep asking on his behalf. You know, I want to be like the friends who bring their friend and, you know, shove him through the roof. <laughs> you say, Lord, I'm not going to forget Matthias. So, you know, we can't control the response from God. That's sometimes quite mysterious. But what we do here emphatically, categorically, is the Lord hears our desperation and he loves to hear our requests. And we have repeated examples of the Lord rising, you know, sort of breaking in and responding to these requests. And we finish with the question that he asks this man as he's coming to him. What do you want me to do for you? I always read this and just like, are you serious? <laughs> Come on, duh. What did he think he was going to say? Hey, you know, if I could get a new set of clothes, you know, or could you make me really smart? Like, could I become an expert in the law, the Torah? How about a house? not have to worry about money the rest of my life. Jesus is always asking questions. He's always probing. And what we know about Jesus from the Gospels is he's really good at, at sort of knowing what people are thinking. He's not a mind reader, but this man is so dialed in to the way people are that he can sometimes say, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're talking about right now and address it. But he's in this place of like regularly asking questions, not because he doesn't know the answer. And I think in his humanity, sometimes he doesn't. I think, but sometimes he really suspects. But there's something about the importance of saying it yourself, of bringing it forward. He wants to, in a sense, validate the articulation of a longing or a desire or a request. And this is a way we participate in it instead of, you know, going off and sulking and say, will you come and find me? Will you come and, and just, I don't want to tell you what I need. I want you to figure it out, Lord. That's my behavior. Okay, I've, been, I've done that kind of stuff all my life, you know, it's like, walk away from the crowd and sulk and hope somebody notices me and comes over and, you know, oh, Davy. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the Lord really, there's something in this kingdom stuff where it's important for us to say it. And so he says to, to, to this man, what do you want me to do for you? And the very obvious thing comes out. I just want to see. And just like that, his world is turned upside down. We never know when the kingdom of God will come crashing in, in ways we can never expect or anticipate. 
He's talking to a young woman just a couple days back who described years of migraines. Just never went away. Incapacitating. And then one day when she didn't even feel like being prayed for, people offered to pray for her. And it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> this doesn't even fit like the description of desperation at that point other than, you know, I'm just too tired to say no. It hurts too bad to say no. And she's prayed for, and she talks about this extraordinary experience of feeling something going through her body, lifting through her head, and moving out. The migraine instantly being gone and not coming back. I, I once prayed for a man. Same kind of a deal. I, I don't know how long. He, he had a history of migraines, apparently. But I, I went to, I was an associate pastor at this uh, a larger church. And they were doing these Thursday night, like, worship nights. That's all they were doing. Just, like, come, let's worship. We'll pray for one another, stir it up. And I know that I was tired, and I was in a kind of a, a, a pissy mood. And I didn't want to be there and I had to drive like 22 miles, which is like eternity in Ohio, you know, here. You're like, what? <laughs> but, you know, it's so far. And we don't even have traffic where I come from. <laughs> so, you know, 22 miles, it's like I'm there in 18 minutes, okay? And I'm still whining. Uh, so I get there, and, you know, it's evening, and it's late, and it's like all the bright lights and the loud music and everything, and it's just like, you know, I'm just, I just don't want to be here. So um, I walk out into the lobby, and it's dark, and it's quiet, and over in the corner sits a man, and he's at, um, he's at one of the cafe tables, and he's like this. And I... And I thought, oh. <laughs> He's hurting. And I don't want to do anything about it. Right? So I kept my distance. He's way over there. I'm way over here. And it's like, oh. oh. Okay. So I go over, I sit across from him, I say, hey, are you okay? And he, he looks up and he says, I have a migraine. He says, I was okay, but I went in there and the lights and, and the noise, it just clicked in. He said, my head is just splitting wide open. I just need to be here for a little while in this dark, quiet place. So I said, may I pray for you? And he said, yeah. And I set him up for failure. I said, now, I'm going to pray for you. I do believe that God um, heals. I can't control God's, you know, actions, but I'm convinced that God heals, and uh, he may help you, he may not. I almost wanted to say he probably won't. <laughs> right? And so I gave this lame, half-hearted prayer. I'm serious. 
<laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> I put my said, "Man, I put my hand on your head, you know." And I so I do this. I put, "Your Lord, uh, would you heal him now?" You know, I don't know what I said even. Uh, it wasn't memorable because I would remember it if it were. <laughs> and I did that, and then I sort of took my hand off and you know put my head down because I thought he'd stay in that you know sort of position for a moment, and then. His head snapped up and he says, it's gone. And I say, you mean like, gone? Gone? <laughs> he says, yes, it's gone completely, instantly. And I said, yeah, you know, that stuff happens. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Uh, and, you know, I, I know story after story after story of these things happening. And for some people, it doesn't happen. For some people, it does. Again, this is, this is a mystery. But here's the one thing we're told that is absolute, like scriptural certainty. It's the thing that gets proclaimed again and again and again and again, is that someday God is going to restore everything. Every tear will be wiped away. Right? All pain erased. This is a reality of the kingdom. And sometimes that kingdom breaks in. We live in the now and the not yet. And we will never, ever know if we get to experience that sort of not yet part in the now unless we keep asking, unless we articulate our desire. So this to me is so absolutely important that we begin to get in touch with the things that we deeply thirst for in life that go beyond just the, maybe even the alleviation of pain. What are my deepest longings? I doubt it's to have a fat 401k, okay? I doubt that it's to have that spectacular house. Those are just stupid, okay? <laughs> There are deeper longings than that, and Jesus loves to hear us voice those. You know, to be more, to live more out of our desire and the expression of those desires rather than to be driven. I said to be, to, or, or out of duty, you know, to be, uh, live out of desire rather than duty, to, to, to be drawn in life rather than to be driven, drawn toward the Lord. So. Uh, here's how I would like for us to, to conclude our time. Um, just want to be still for a few minutes and uh, invite all of us here to express, to sit for a moment and say, Lord, would you, you may not even know what some of your desires are. And the place we begin is not straining to get them, but to, to uh, relax and even ask the Lord to reveal our desires. Just Kind of sit with it for a moment and wait for something to come to you. For some of you, it might be quite easy. For others, harder. I'm going to pray for you that um, you'll uh, do that. And then um, after, after a couple minutes of quiet, um, we're going to come up and we're going to share the cup and the bread together. We'll share the Eucharist. You can take the bread and you can dip it into, uh, into the cup and then eat the bread. And um, I'm going to be over here uh, on you know, one of these sides. And as you come up, 
I want you to, are people going to be serving communion? Okay, how many folks do we have? Two people? So, like, does that mean, uh, I just see w one cup. Is there another one? How does that? Okay, all right, but there's, oh, I see, gluten-free. All right, I'm like, you left the cup out. Sorry. California, okay. <laughs> All right, uh, so anyway, as you come up, I want to encourage you to speak your desire to the person uh, who is, to the people who are serving. Just voice, just voice it. My desire is, or I desire, and then finish that sentence. And that's all. Let there be a witness to your desire. And then, I want to be, I felt this morning that the Lord was just saying, offer prayers for healing in the spirit of this passage. So I'm going to stand over here, I guess. It's a little more light over there. I like light. And um, um, feel free to come over. If you have a physical ailment of some kind, something that's been bothering you, you want some kind of release from, I'm going to pray for you. And um, Matt, would you join me over there too? And uh, if there's somebody else that feels uh, especially inclined to pray for healing uh, for those who are present, uh, if, if you could go over there and get somebody to come with you, we're just going to pray like this. When you come, Jesus doesn't get into some long dissertation. He just says, what is it that you want me to do? The man says it, and then he says, it's yours. And so basically, we're going to do the same thing. As you're going to come and say, this is the deal. And we're going to say, uh, Lord, heal so-and-so of boom. Amen. And keep it short and sweet. We're not going to try and work up anything. Just say it, okay? So if uh, some, maybe a couple people could be here, Matt and I will be over there. Do you want to divide and conquer or something? <laughs> Uh, all right, that's what we'll do, okay? So if, if you would, please, let's just be still, pray over you, and we'll try and discern desire. Oh, God, free us from convention. Free us from all the things that shackle our perception of you. Lord, wash away our apathy, our cynicism, our disappointment. Renew our hope and our faith. I pray, Lord, that in this holy moment you will reveal desire. Give courage, Lord, to those who feel a hesitancy to speak their desires. 
Help us to speak these, Lord, out in a safe, welcoming presence. And Lord, would you come in power to heal any of your children here who are sick, who are hurting. 